Hey there, welcome to the Compared to Who Show. I'm Heather Creekmore. I'm glad you're here today. We are starting a brand new series on personality and body image. Does the way God wired you personality-wise have any overlap or connection to the way you struggle with your body image issues. So today we're going to talk about personality more broadly. We're actually going to talk about the pressure we feel to portray a certain image, even in our personality. So that's where we're going today. But the next couple episodes, we're going to dig into this from a couple different angles. I've got a great guest that's going to be joining me for two of these episodes, and he's really going to help me break down the connection between kind of the way we're wired and the way our hearts kind of default, (laughs) things we're afraid of, things we're concerned about, needs we need met, and how that looks in disordered eating, eating disorders, and body image issues at large. Guys, it's going to be good stuff. I hope you've subscribed and won't miss an episode. I'm glad you're here. Let's get going. Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compared to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. So if you're listening to the show, there is a chance that you may struggle with your body image. Okay, maybe you're accidentally here. You have no idea what this show is about. I am so glad you're here. Welcome. But for many of my regular listeners, our challenge is the way we feel about our bodies, the way we think about our bodies, and this fear over what other people think about us and our bodies. And today, I want to take that further than I've ever actually taken it before on the show or in anything I've written. And I want to expand that to our image, including our personality, right? So I'll tell you a story. I was a quiet, shy girl until the seventh grade. Now, what happened was in sixth grade, I went to my parents and I said, please, can I go to Christian school? And they had been begging me to go to Christian school (laughs) for quite a while. So they were very happy to put me in Christian school. Public school just kind of swallowed me whole. I tried to volunteer for things. I tried to get involved in things. I don't think I... 
I could even make the ping pong team. Like I remember trying out for the ping pong team. And I remember like going one time to ping pong practice. And it's not clear, but I must not have made the team because I never went to ping pong practice again. So that's like the level of um, involvement I desired. (laughs) I couldn't even make that happen. And so my parents said, that's we want you to go to Christian school. This is wonderful. And so between sixth and seventh grade, I remember determining to make over myself. Now, body stuff, I was concerned about it, but I wasn't as aware of needing any kind of makeover in that area. Like that, I was, I was doing what my mom did in that arena, but I wasn't necessarily trying to portray a certain image physically at that point. I mean, goodness, guys, I was like 12 years old, right? But image and personality wise, I definitely was. And I remember determining that I was no longer going to be classified as the shy girl. I was no longer going to be the quiet one. I was going to be more outgoing and I was going to have the kind of personality everyone loved. And I'll let you know what happened. (laughs) I got to seventh grade and oh man, that was my intention. But the truth is I was kind of naturally more wired as quiet. And so though I tried to be more outgoing and I definitely was more outgoing than I had been at public school, there was still a bit of a, shall I say, learning curve (laughs) to help me come out of my shell. And what happened was about midway through that seventh grade year, I had an English teacher and Mrs. Miller asked me to come up to the front of the class after class was over. And she said, we're about to enter a new unit where we're going to do speech and monologues. And I think that this is going to be a good unit for you. And I think that you should plan on competing in speech. Now, remember, y'all, I'm a quiet girl. (laughs) So I'm like, "Uh, you must have the wrong person. I, uh, that doesn't sound like me. But the fact that she had confidence that I could do it and that she believed in me really helped me take that charge seriously. And she was right. I started competing in speech and I started doing well. And the more I competed, the more energized I became um, to be more outgoing, (laughs) to have that kind of quote unquote personality. But now, I don't know, 30 years, well, maybe almost 40 years later, as I look back on that, which, you know, even in compared to who I read a little bit of that story, like, I think I credited that as some sort of achievement that I was able to go from being quiet to having a more outgoing personality. And, you know, by college, like I was the girl that was involved in everything and I knew everyone. And like, that was me. I was definitely, no one would have ever called me quiet or shy in college. But now I wonder how much of that image I put on because I thought that's what others expected of me or wanted from me, or to take that one step further. I thought that's what it took in order to be loved and approved of by others. 
So I used to love personality tests. I think the whole study of personality is very interesting. And I remember taking my first personality test in college. Uh, It was part of like your get ready for your career kind of package. And it was the Myers-Briggs. And I came out an ESTJ. And I was high E. So E is extrovert. I was high. Like, I don't remember what the scale is, but like just picturing the chart, I was like far to the right, <laughs> like off, like not off the charts, but, but I, it was clear I was an extrovert. And what happens is over the decades, I've taken that test again and again. I took it when I had a full-time job in DC as part of what I was doing in my management group uh, with the other managers at the nonprofit I worked for. And that E started to creep a little bit more towards the I. I started to be a little less extroverted and then took it again 10 years later as part of something our small group did. And that E creeped even further towards the I. And what's crazy is I think if I took it today, I'd probably be right on the line or maybe even a little bit more towards the I (laughs) than the E. Kind of going back full circle to maybe the way God had wired me. Maybe the truth is I am an introvert who was taught to act like an extrovert and taught that being extroverted was more acceptable, more approved of than being introverted. And y'all, I have a feeling I'm not alone in that. So there's this amazing book. It's called Quiet by a woman named Susan Cain. It is not a Christian book, uh, but friends, it is so rich. And if you feel like you have been forced to or coerced to or, you know, kind of, I don't know, pushed to go from being maybe more naturally introverted to more extroverted, then you are going to dig this book. Like <laughs> You are going to love it. But it really helped me understand something as it relates to image issues in a more broad way. Um, it helped me understand this culturally. So one of her early chapters, she talks about how really before in like early 19th century, before the 1920s, let's say, there were different character traits, different words that we would use to characterize people. And these were what we valued in other people. So we valued things like citizenship, duty, work. We valued golden deeds, honor, reputation, having good morals, good manners, and integrity. But around the 1920s, a man named Dale Carnegie, who wrote a book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Some of you may have had to even read this book. I don't know that I actually have, but I'm quite familiar with it from from just hearing about it and hearing other people read about it. Carnegie wrote this guide to being more outgoing. Really, it's something I think a lot of salespeople have to read now. But Carnegie's guide made the values, like the character traits that we appreciate about other people, it kind of changed them. It went from like having good reputation and being honorable and respectable to being magnetic. Listen to these words, fascinating, stunning, attractive, glowing, 
dominant, forceful, energetic. The other thing she points out is between the 1920s and the 1930s, that's when we began to be obsessed with movie stars. Now, okay, granted, I, I don't know the history of film. I don't have it in front of me. So chances are we didn't really, you know, there weren't as many films being made before the 1920s. Like I think the technology is, is, was, came, came into being around that time. But as a culture, before this time, we idolized people who were upstanding citizens, people that you could rely on, people that you could trust. And culturally, that shifted to idolizing movie stars. And apparently, it's never shifted back, right? Instead of really appreciating things that, and let's take this to a biblical perspective, right? Instead of appreciating character traits that the Bible lauds, we began to appreciate these things that cultural culture says are laudable, like being attractive, like dazzling people, like being forceful and energetic. So I'm going to read to you right from page 21 in this book. Again, it's called Quiet by Susan Cain. Quiet, the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking. And here's what she says. And she's actually quoting um, an influential cultural historian named Warren Sussman. But he coins the term, a culture of character morphed into a culture of personality. And here's what he says, or she says, and it opened up a Pandora's box of personal anxieties from which we would never recover. I'll go on and read the next part because it's just kind of interesting. In the culture of character, the ideal self was serious, disciplined, and honorable. When what counted was not so much the impression one made in public as how one behaved in private. The word personality didn't exist in English until the 18th century, and the idea of having a good personality was not widespread until the 20th. But when they embraced the culture of personality, Americans started to focus on how others perceived them. They became captivated by people who were bold and entertaining. And I'm going to stop reading and tell you that I think we've all kind of fallen into that trap. How can I entertain you? How can I be attractive to you? How can you think well of me? And just pause and think about that is cultural programming, not as anything biblical. So she goes on in the book, she does a chapter where she goes and visits a mega church. And she talks about the introverts experience at a mega church being quite difficult and frightening, and how a lot of churches are really designed for extroverts which was, I think, a fascinating thing. I'm married to a pastor for a lot of years, and it really got us thinking about a lot of things. She also talks about business leaders and some of the research that has followed very charismatic, dynamic business leaders, and then the more quiet, you know, calculated, steady business leaders. And what they found was that a lot of times the dazzling leaders at the end of their career did not have as successful of a career as a whole as 
the guys who were just the more reliable, quiet ones. So it's interesting, I think, for us to think about this added element of personality pressure, image as it relates to our personality as a part of our body image package. And so today, what I want to ask you is, have you felt that pressure? Have you tried to create an image or felt pressure to be a certain type of person personality wise? What have you idolized or idealized about someone else's personality? Are there ways that you've disparaged the way that you were wired? Have you disparaged your own personality? So in a few episodes, I'm going to talk to my friend, Travis Stewart, and he's a counselor. He's done a lot of research in this arena, and we are going to dig into this stuff. And it's so, so good, you guys. I, I learned so much in these interviews, so I can't wait for you to hear them. But we talk a little bit about personality tests. Now, another thing I did when I was starting to research personality and image was I read a book about the origins of the Myers-Briggs test, and it blew my mind because the Myers-Briggs test is used pretty universally. In fact, a lot of people have to take a Myers-Briggs test before they can get a job. And there was an HBO Max uh, documentary. I can't remember the name of it. I think it might have been the cult of personality, but something, oh, I know what it is. I think it's called the personality brokers, or maybe that's the name of the book. I don't know. Y'all have to look look that up. If you're interested, drop me an email and I'll I'll let you know all the information. But there's an HBO Max documentary about personality, and it, it kind of is talking about it more from like, is it legal to require personality testing and how actually some companies are discriminating against people who maybe are more introverted rather than extroverted for jobs. And one of the cases that they study is a kid, I think he was a recent college graduate, he was trying to get a job as a pharmacist. Um, and his personality test came back too too much on the introverted side. And they said he couldn't work with people. And he said, I've been working in sales for four years or, or even longer. Like I know how to work with people just because I am naturally wired to be an introvert doesn't mean I can't do this job. And, and so there's a big lawsuit and everything. But but I think it it's fascinating to think about how much our culture relies on these personality tests. And then if you read this book about how Myers-Briggs got started, it was just a woman who wasn't necessarily qualified scientifically to come up with any sort of tests. She just started observing things and came to her own conclusions and kind of built it from there. She had this sick love of Sigmund Freud. She did all kinds of disturbing writing around her dreams related to Freud. And oh, there's some weird stuff in there, y'all. But it was a reality check for me to read that because I was like, whoa, how many times have I really, you know, referenced my letters, my ESTJ or ENFP or I, you know, thinking that it meant something. And here it was just kind of created by this woman who, I don't know, I'm sure she had other things to do, but she just thought it was interesting and kind of made up the system. It's not biblical. It's not based in science. It's just kind of her theory. 
And all that to say, my friend, that a lot of these personality assessments and other ways that we classify ourselves, I think too often we're trying to find worth in that, right? Too often we're trying to say, well, I'm this. And that makes me valuable. Or I don't know how many times have you taken a personality test with someone and, you know, maybe they've said to you like, oh, you got the good one. Or you've said to them, oh, you got the good personality. You know, oh, I'm a whatever. Right? We got to stop all that. Personality tests may have some place in kind of helping us figure out how we're wired and how we relate to each other. But they're not labels we should wear. They're not part of our identity. And so anyway, I'm opening this big can of body image and personality today. And I just want to give you a lot to think about. And I'd love to hear from you. What, what do you think? Has personality been a part of your image issue problem? Have you been labeled the loud one or the quiet one? Have you been frustrated by the way you're wired? Have you prayed that God would make you different? Friend, I want to encourage you today that your unique wiring, your unique personality is a gift from God that is equipping you uniquely for his purpose in your life. However he made you was on purpose because he knew what he had for you. And we need all personality types. We need the quiet thinkers. We need the more vocal ones who are committed to justice. We need those who are persuasive. We need those who are not afraid to jump in with both feet. But then we also need those who are there to stand beside them and say, wait just a second. Are you sure you want to jump into that? We need each other. God made you on purpose for a purpose that speaks to your body but that also speaks to your wiring. I hope that will encourage you today. Well, thanks for listening. I hope something has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor? Leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. Not sure how to do it? You can go to comparetohu.me slash podcast, scroll to the bottom, and you'll find all the information. And while you're at comparetohu.me, check out some of the more than 500 articles on there about body image, comparison, all the things you're thinking about. Plus, you can find out more about my books, or you can grab a time for a free 10-minute call to see if coaching is right for you. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration. And I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free. Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? 
are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafun.com to listen and subscribe.